Chapters twelve through fifteen of the Torrents of Spring by Ivan Turgenev, translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Twelve. It appeared that Gemma was not very fond of Hoffman, that she even thought him tedious. The fantastic, misty northern element in his stories was too remote from her clear southern nature. It's all fairy tales, all written for children, she declared with some contempt. She was vaguely conscious, too, of the lack of poetry in Hoffman. But there was one of his stories, the title of which she had forgotten, which she greatly liked. More precisely speaking, it was only the beginning of this story that she liked, the end she had either not read or had forgotten. The story was about a young man who in some place, a sort of restaurant perhaps, meets a girl of striking beauty, a Greek. She is accompanied by a mysterious and strange wicked old man. The young man falls in love with the girl at first sight. She looks at him so mournfully as though beseeching him to deliver her. He goes out for an instant, and, coming back into the restaurant, finds there neither the girl nor the old man. He rushes off in pursuit of her, continually comes upon fresh traces of her, follows them up, and can never by any means come upon her anywhere. The lovely girl has vanished for him forever and ever, and he is never able to forget her imploring glance and is tortured by the thought that all the happiness of his life perhaps has slipped through his fingers. Hoffman did not end his story quite in that way, but so it had taken shape, so it had remained in Gemma's memory. I fancy, she said, such meetings and such partings happen oftener in the world than we suppose. Sanin was silent, and soon after he began talking of Herr Klüber. It was the first time he had referred to him. He had not once remembered him till that instant. Gemma was silent in her turn and sank into thought, biting the nail of her forefinger and fixing her eyes away. Then she began to speak in praise of her betrothed, alluded to the excursion he had planned for the next day, and, glancing swiftly at Sanin, was silent again. Sanin did not know on what subject to turn the conversation. Emil ran in noisily and waked Frau Lenore. Sanin was relieved by his appearance. Frau Lenore got up from her low chair. Pantaleone came in and announced that dinner was ready. The friend of the family, ex-singer and servant, also performed the duties of cook. 13. Sanin stayed on after dinner, too. They did not let him go, still on the same pretext of the terrible heat, and when the heat began to decrease, they proposed going out into the garden to drink coffee in the shade of the acacias. Sanin consented. He felt very happy. In the quietly monotonous, smooth current of life lie hid great delights, and he gave himself up to these delights with zest, asking nothing much of the present day, but also thinking nothing of the morrow, nor recalling the day before. How much the mere society of such a girl as Gemma meant to him! He would shortly part from her, and most likely forever, 
but so long as they were born as in uland's song in one skiff over the sea of life untossed by tempest well might the traveller rejoice and be glad and everything seemed sweet and delightful to the happy voyager frau lenore offered to play against him and pantaleone at tresette instructed him in this not complicated italian game and won a few kreutzers from him and he was well content pantaleone at emil's request made the poodle tartaglia perform all his tricks and tartaglia jumped over a stick spoke that is barked sneezed shut the door with his nose fetched his master's trodden-down slippers and finally with an old cap on his head he portrayed marshal bernadotte subjected to the bitterest upbraidings by the emperor napoleon on account of his treachery napoleon's part was of course performed by pantaleone and very faithfully he performed it he folded his arms across his chest pulled a cocked hat over his eyes and spoke very gruffly and sternly in french and heavens what french tartaglia sat before his sovereign all huddled up with dejected tail and eyes blinking and twitching in confusion under the peak of his cap which was stuck on awry from time to time when napoleon raised his voice bernadotte rose on his hind paws fuori traditore cried napoleon at last forgetting in the excess of his wrath that he had to sustain his role as a frenchman to the end and bernadotte promptly flew under the sofa but quickly darted out again with a joyful bark as though to announce that the performance was over all the spectators laughed and sunning more than all gemma had a particularly charming continual soft laugh with very droll little shrieks sanin was fairly enchanted by that laugh he could have kissed her for those shrieks night came on at last he had indecency to take leave after saying good-bye several times over to every one and repeating several times to all till to-morrow emil he went so far as to kiss sanin started home carrying with him the image of the young girl at one time laughing at another thoughtful calm and even indifferent but always attractive her eyes at one time wide open clear and bright as day at another time half shrouded by the lashes and deep and dark as night seemed to float before his eyes piercing in a strange sweet way across all other images and recollections of herr kluber of the causes impelling him to remain in frankfort in short of everything that had disturbed his mind the evening before he never thought once fourteen we must however say a few words about sanin himself in the first place he was very very good-looking a handsome graceful figure agreeable rather unformed features kindly bluish eyes golden hair a clear white and red skin and above all that peculiar naively cheerful confiding open at the first glance somewhat foolish expression by which in former days one could recognize directly the children of steady-going noble families sons of their fathers 
fine young landowners born and reared in our open half-wild country parts a hesitating gait a voice with a lisp a smile like a child's the minute you looked at him lastly freshness health softness 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 there you have the whole of sanin and secondly he was not stupid and had picked up a fair amount of knowledge fresh he had remained for all his foreign tour the disturbing emotions in which the greater part of the young people of that day were tempest-tossed were very little known to him of late years in response to their assiduous search for new types young men have begun to appear in our literature determined at all hazards to be fresh as fresh as flensburg oysters when they reach petersburg sanin was not like them since we have had recourse already to simile he rather recalled a young leafy freshly grafted apple tree in one of our fertile orchards or better still a well-groomed sleek sturdy-limbed tender young three-year-old in some old-fashioned seigneurial stud stable a young horse that they have hardly begun to break in to traces those who came across sanin in later years when life had knocked him about a good deal and the sleekness and plumpness of youth had long vanished saw in him a totally different man next day sanin was still in bed when emil in his best clothes with a cane in his hand and much pomade on his head burst into his room announcing that herr Klüber would be here directly with the carriage that the weather promised to be exquisite that they had everything ready by now but that mamma was not going as her head was bad again he began to hurry sanin telling him that there was not a minute to lose and herr Klüber did in fact find sanin still at his toilet he knocked at the door came in bowed with a bend from the waist expressed his readiness to wait as long as might be desired and sat down his hat balanced elegantly on his knees the handsome shop manager had got himself up and perfumed himself to excess his every action was accompanied by a powerful whiff of the most refined aroma he arrived in a comfortable open carriage one of the kind called landau drawn by two tall and powerful but not well shaped horses a quarter of an hour later sanin kluber and emil in this same carriage drew up triumphantly at the steps of the confectioner's shop madame roselli resolutely refused to join the party gemma wanted to stay with her mother but she simply turned her out i don't want any one she declared i shall go to sleep i would send pantaleone with you too only there would be no one to mind the shop may we take tartaglia asked emil of course you may tartaglia immediately scrambled with delighted struggles on to the box and sat there licking himself it was obviously a thing he was accustomed to gemma put on a large straw hat with brown ribbons the hat was bent down in front so as to shade almost the whole of her face from the sun the line of shadow stopped just at her lips 
they wore a tender maiden flush like the petals of a centifoil rose and her teeth gleamed stealthily innocently too as when children smile gemma sat facing the horses with sanin Klube and emil sat opposite the pale face of frau lenore appeared at the window gemma waved her handkerchief to her and the horses started fifteen sodden is a little town half an hour's distance from frankfurt it lies in a beautiful country among the spurs of the taunus mountains and is known among us in russia for its waters which are supposed to be beneficial to people with weak lungs the frankforters visit it more for purposes of recreation as sodden possesses a fine park and various wirtschaften where one may drink beer and coffee in the shade of the tall limes and maples the road from frankfurt to sodden runs along the right bank of the mine and is planted all along with fruit trees while the carriage was rolling slowly along the excellent road sanin stealthily watched how gemma behaved to her betrothed it was the first time he had seen them together she was quiet and simple in her manner but rather more reserved and serious than usual he had the air of a condescending schoolmaster permitting himself and those under his authority a discreet and decorous pleasure sanin saw no signs in him of any marked attentiveness of what the french call empressement in his demeanour to gemma it was clear that herr Klüber considered that it was a matter settled once for all and that therefore he saw no reason to trouble or excite himself but his condescension never left him for an instant even during a long ramble before dinner about the wooded hills and valleys behind sodden even when enjoying the beauties of nature he treated nature itself with the same condescension through which his habitual magisterial severity peeped out from time to time so for example he observed in regard to one stream that it ran too straight through the glade instead of making a few picturesque curves he disapproved too of the conduct of a bird a chaffinch for singing so monotonously gemma was not bored and even apparently was enjoying herself but sanin did not recognize her as the gemma of the preceding days it was not that she seemed under a cloud her beauty had never been more dazzling but her soul seemed to have withdrawn into herself with her parasol open and her gloves still buttoned up she walked sedately deliberately as well-bred young girls walk and spoke little emil too felt stiff and sanin more so than all he was somewhat embarrassed too by the fact that the conversation was all the time in german only tartaglia was in high spirits he darted barking frantically after blackbirds leaped over ravines stumps and roots rushed headlong into the water lapped at it in desperate haste shook himself whining and was off like an arrow his red tongue trailing after him almost to his shoulder herr Klüber, for his part did everything he supposed conductive to the mirthfulness of the company he begged them to sit down in the shade of a spreading oak tree 
and taking out of a side pocket a small booklet entitled Knallerbsen oder du sollst und wirst lachen, Squibs, or you must and shall laugh, began reading the funny anecdotes of which the little book was full. He read them twelve specimens. He aroused very little mirth, however, only Sanin smiled from politeness, and he himself, Herr Klüber, after each anecdote, gave vent to a brief, business-like but still condescending laugh. At twelve o'clock the whole party returned to Sodom to the best tavern there. They had to make arrangements about dinner. Herr Klüber proposed that the dinner should be served in a summer-house closed in all sides, im Garten Salon. But at this point Gemma rebelled, and declared that she would have dinner in the open air, in the garden, at one of the little tables set before the tavern, that she was tired of being all the while with the same faces, and she wanted to see fresh ones. At some of the little tables groups of visitors were already sitting. While Herr Klüber, yielding condescendingly to the caprice of his betrothed, went off to interview the head waiter, Gemma stood immovable, biting her lips and looking on the ground. She was conscious that Sanin was persistently and, as it were, inquiringly looking at her. It seemed to enrage her. At last Herr Klüber returned, announced that dinner would be ready in half an hour, and proposed their employing the interval in a game of skittles, adding that this was very good for the appetite, he he he. Skittles he played in masterly fashion. As he threw the ball, he put himself into amazingly heroic postures, with artistic play of the muscles, with artistic flourish and shake of the leg. In his own way he was an athlete, and was superbly built. His hands, too, were so white and handsome, and he wiped them on such a sumptuous gold-striped Indian bandana. The moment of dinner arrived, and the whole party seated themselves at the table. End of chapters 12 through 15